Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Wednesday the 21st of February. I'm Michael Bailey and on today's show... So Jim Ratcliffe is finally in at Man United. Ratcliffe is the main guy at Manchester United when it comes to football and all decisions lead to him. Arsenal take their buzz into the Champions League. They are scoring goals for fun at the moment. Since that winter break in Dubai, it seems to have had wondrous effects on the team. And La Liga tightens its financial screw on Barcelona. They need to raise money and the most logical way is to sell big names and to sell big players. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. First, let's bring you up to speed with last night's football. We'll head into the Champions League round of 16, first of all, where it's advantage Inter. Lovely touch to control on his right, Lautaro! Denied by Oblak, put back! Yes, Marco Arnautovic scored the only goal 11 minutes from time to give the Italians a 1-0 lead over Atletico Madrid ahead of the second leg. It's still all square in the other tie where Borussia Dortmund had led at half-time thanks to Daniel Marlin's excellent finish. But PSV Eindhoven drew level through Luke de Jong's penalty, meaning it'll be 1-1 when the pair kick off again in Germany in three weeks' time. The final two first legs in the round of 16 take place tonight and we'll look ahead to those in a moment. But there was also a Premier League game last night where regular service was resumed. Indeed, Erling Haaland's 71st minute strike was the only goal as Manchester City beat Brentford at the Etihad. It also completes the set for Haaland, who has now scored against every Premier League club he has faced. As for City, that win from their game in hand moved them a point ahead of Arsenal in third and a point behind leaders Liverpool, who host Luton tonight. You can't watch that one in the UK, but it is live on USA Network from 2.30pm Eastern in the US. The biggest Premier League news of the night arguably came off the pitch. Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos have finally completed their purchase of a slice of Manchester United. It's 25% of the club at a cost of $1.3 billion, diluting the Glazer family's shareholding in the process. I know, it feels like they've been trying to complete this one for months. So now it's done, what does that actually mean? Here's our Man United correspondent, Laurie Whitwell. Well, it actually means that he can officially get to work and he now has the authority to uh, action uh, some of the uh, changes that he wants to make. He's obviously been quite public and quite present before now, um, but it's a little bit more of a, a step to actually now... So Jim Ratcliffe being able to, you know, make appointments, have official calls on United duty. So, um, yeah, it's a significant moment for the club. Um, it's 
you know, I guess the beginning of the end of the Glazer regime, you know, with thoughts that Jim Ratcliffe might want to own the club in its entirety in the years to come. But it basically means that from now, Ratcliffe is the main guy at Manchester United when it comes to football and uh, all decisions lead to him. Exciting times then. And you can read much more on what comes next for United over at The Athletic. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. So, on to today's football and a big Champions League night for Inform Arsenal. They're in Portugal to take on Porto in their last 16 first leg. It's been five wins and 21 goals scored from five games since their winter break last month. The excitement from our Arsenal correspondent James McNicholas in Porto is palpable, I'm sure. Uh, James, I bet the mood around the club is pretty good right now, hey? Buoyant. Yeah, they had another excellent weekend. The women's team obviously beat Manchester United and had a record-breaking attendance. And then the men followed that up by another thrashing, uh, winning 5-0 at Burnley. They are scoring goals for fun at the moment. Since since that winter break in Dubai, who knows what they got up to in Dubai, but it seems to have had wondrous effects on the team. I'm sure there's plenty of pieces on the Athletic explaining exactly what happened, I'm sure. This is Arsenal's first Champions League campaign in six years and it's gone pretty well so far, which means I'm now wondering where are their expectations in terms of where they want to go from here? I think they want to go far into the competition. I think Mikel Arteta will want that more than anything because actually his record in knockout European football, which has been obviously in the Europa League until now, is not the best. Uh, And it's one of the things on his kind of managerial CV he'll really be looking to improve. And I think Arsenal are right to feel that about the Champions League. You know, obviously, Manchester City, you've got to make them favourites, as in the Premier League. They've been there, they've done it. But when you look at the rest of the field, I think Arsenal have every right to think that they could get into the latter stages here. Uh, Obviously, they won't want to look past Porto, but... It's a really important competition for them, especially having gone out of both domestic cups really early. Their eggs are kind of in those two baskets now, the Premier League and the Champions League. Yeah, that's very true. So we should just wrap up with Porto. What are they expecting from that? Well, Porto's form over the last couple of games hasn't been the best. I think only won one of their last three domestically. Um, they're third, I believe, in the Portuguese league table, which for a club of their stature is not ideal. But... You know, Arsenal have been here before and it can often be a tricky occasion. I think generally the feeling is the draw has been relatively kind. But, you know, it's the Champions League and I think they know it'll be a very different encounter to what they faced in the Premier League at the weekend. And I think that's probably the greatest danger for Arsenal. They've been going so brilliantly domestically. Maybe that's the risk that they lose focus slightly here for a Champions League game. A bit of team news. Fabio Vieira, once of Porto, is back. He's travelled with the squad. Uh, Thomas Partey, I think, was training with the squad this morning, but hasn't ultimately made the trip. The likes of Gabriel Jesus, Takira Tomiyasu and Alex Zinchenko did not train outside. So still some way to come back for them. But with the way Arsenal have been playing, you know, difficult to change a winning team. They've been in fantastic form. As for tonight's other first leg, that sees Napoli host Barcelona. The spluttering Italian champions are on their third manager of the season, with Francesco Calzona taking charge for the first time. And of course, things have been far from straightforward for Barca either, especially in the last 24 hours. Our correspondent Paul Belus is with us now. Paul, 
Let's start away from tonight's game and the news. La Liga has reduced Barca's salary cap to 204 million euros. Things already seem tight, so this must be bad news for Barca, right? Yeah, it's just like another reality check of what the situation is for Barcelona right now. It was sort of like expected because this comes from like Barcelona being unable to fulfill like the viability plan that they designed Last summer, they knew that they were like on track uh, to fulfill all that they said. So this was expected. But at the same time, it just pictures what they are going to have to face in summer, which is going to be like a transfer window in which basically they are forced to sell, I would say, or they need to sell like big assets, big names to just to create revenue. Uh, because right now, like spending more money than they are allowed to in salaries, it basically forced them that any salary that they want to register to the upcoming season, they need to save the double of it. So let's say if they sign a player and he has a 10 million uh, euro salary per year, they need to save 20 million uh, before they are able to register this player. So that's the situation that Barcelona are like facing right now. And like, just yeah, just to put it like in simple words, they need to raise money in the way that they can. And the most logical way is to sell big names and to sell big players. Which brings us very nicely on to Frankie de Jong. I mean, we've had a lot of talk about Frankie de Jong's future. Uh, he is one player that Barca could look to sell in the summer. But but he's made his own headlines ahead of this Napoli game, hasn't he? Exactly, exactly. Because it, it was like everything was sort of like piling up in Barcelona and like the narrative were like building up to a similar situation to what we lived with Frankie de Jong back in 2022, which was a summer that amid Man United interest on over signing him there was a lot of like rumors and like a speculation about if Frankie de Jong was about to stay in Barcelona club sources and club executives were like willing to sell him but he feels that Barcelona is his boyhood club his place like the place that he wants to be and he remained trust to his values and through his will and he stayed at Barcelona but now it felt that this was coming back again club sources has have pointed out like in recent weeks how peak is Frankie de Jong's salary compared to what the club can afford right now and how it could be useful for them just to get a big transfer for him and just to forget about this big salary that they have to pay and and just yeah basically receive a big transfer but like as a big difference to what we saw two two summers ago where Frankie de Jong had to survive to all these rumors and all this narrative and this noise around him basically we saw him stepping up to the press conference before the game against Napoli and he didn't hesitate about about speaking about transfer rumors and a speculation over the next summer he said that he was tired of this, that there's a lot of lies going around on media. I think that he hit it on media, but deep down he knows that a lot of these rumors and these narratives, they come from inside the club, but it was his way to lay out his message. It's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. I imagine, Paul, you're going to be pretty busy with it too. Uh, we'll end with Vasa's prospects on the pitch. Uh, Napoli are in a similar boat at the moment, really, to, to Barca. But but with Barca, is there any reason to believe they are capable of more in the Champions League than they've managed so far in La Liga? I think that they are basically because Napoli, they're probably like in a worse situation than Barcelona is, which is like quite of a matter statement. They changed his manager yesterday, basically. And Barcelona can take advantage of that. Like from the financial perspective, no one in the club contemplates that Barcelona can afford not going through. They really need this money. They really need it. And I think that they remain favourites and they do stand the chance to go through. 
Thanks, Paul. And you can watch both Champions League ties from 8pm in the UK on TNT Sports and 3pm Eastern in the US on Paramount+. And finally, remember when Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder said this? I've told him that one of his assistant assistants was eating a sandwich at the time. I thought that was a complete lack of respect. Uh, hopefully he enjoyed his sandwich while he was talking to a Premier League manager. Well, the FA have now fined Wilder £11,500 for those comments and his other digs at the officials after their defeat at Crystal Palace. That money should mean there are plenty more half-time sandwiches for the referees and assistants before the season is done. And that's all for today's Daily Football Briefing. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman and executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Thank you for listening. It's the lovely Adam Leventhal with you tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.